bad, bad addict. Um, every time I was able to get a loan, I was doing drugs. I've been in prison four times, twice in the state, twice in the feds. I was doing all this crazy stuff, cooking drugs and just staying high. God called me from a prison cell. I was a homeless drug addict, and my hope was found in a needle. I was eight months pregnant, homeless, um, living out of my van. You know, it wasn't freeway that saved me, it wasn't John Stroop that saved me, but God uses freeway in such a mighty way as a tool to reach these people. There's not a community or a county in America that doesn't have a drug problem. And the, the church has the answer and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome to One Broken Life. My name is John Stroop. This is part two of our uh, series with Cody Woodard. Mm -hmm. uh, very, very glad to have you, Cody. Yeah, I'm thankful to be here. One Broken Life is a, a production of Freeway Ministries. I kind of have a theme verse uh, for, our, for our episodes, our podcast, and that is uh, Psalm 51, 17. Mm -hmm. uh, the psalm says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken spirit and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. And, and so that kind of gives the push to what we do here uh, at One Broken Life. And so what we, our, my heart is to share uh, the unique stories of individuals like yourself and me mm -hmm. who come from drugs and crime and the different things in our past. Uh, so listeners at home can hear about the details of what we went through, what God has done, kind of our stories. Uh, because what you hear is you hear about the impacts that drugs and crime and addiction make on our communities. Right. You hear about uh, the the fatherless homes. You hear about the prisons full. You hear about crime and all these things going on. Uh, but what you don't hear about is the impact that one radically changed drug addict or one radically changed ex-criminal uh, can make in our society Amen. when the Lord gets a hold of them. Yep. And so we have people come on that God. We I believe that God has their hand on His hand on them, who are, are making a difference in our world who are good citizens, right, mm -hmm. uh, who are not committing crime, who are not vandalizing or making uh, making our, our cities a worse place, but actually are being used by God to make our cities a better place. Mm -hmm. And that's why you're on here today, brother. Thanks, man. And so we, we, uh, we have Cody on here. If you did not listen to part one of Cody's story, uh, that one broken life, what God has done in his one broken life, uh, you should go back to part one and listen to part one. Uh, so the last the last thing we talked about was Cody has been in s many treatment centers and mm -hmm. and so I I don't know how many you said but it was double digits right a bunch yeah and so you've been in jail a lot mm -hmm. you grew up in the foster system in and out of DYS uh, Division of Youth Services um, using drugs since you were a little kid mm -hmm. uh, you know IV user yeah committing crime uh, you know couldn't couldn't break free as a Christian yeah. living uh, in sin for years, for years. And yeah. so uh, you're miserable. Yeah. And and so finally, after being a professional programmer, <laughs> and what I mean by that is uh, that you were, uh, you could do programs with your eyes yeah. blindfolded, yeah. right? You could do the 12 steps. You could 
talk the language, yep. tell people what they wanted to hear, and then go right back into addiction and crime as soon as you leave the program, whatever one that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we talked about your final, you know, here you are, you get out of, you know, jail, you, your, your, your stepmom or your adopted mm-hmm. mom, she has a program. She, she couldn't do it with you because, you know, she, right. you're, you have that relationship with her and right. you know how to play her. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, <laughs> it just wouldn't work, man. You yeah. Can't, it they would, can't live in your mom's house and have her tell you what to do. You know what I mean? As a grown man. <laughs> yeah. She can't throw you out. Right. And yeah. She, she, she's <laughs> yeah. the emotional attachment. Yeah. So then you go to the victory mission. Yep. And so let's kind of start there, Cody. Um, you enter the victory mission. Something happened. Yep. And, and according to your testimony, you finally believed the gospel. Yep, that's exactly what happened. And so how long ago was that when you entered the victory mission into Mark McNally's program? I entered victory missions restoration program April 30th of 2020. It was right when COVID, every, all the COVID stuff kicked off. Can okay. I allowed to say that on here? Yeah, yeah. Oh, say yeah. whatever you want. Uh, it was right when all that kicked off. Uh I'll be real with you, man. I I prayed that this would be the last program I ever enter, but I've always struggled with that doubt. You know what I mean? That, like, I'll do good for a little while, but that day is going to come for me, and I'm going to use again. And so I kind of I came into the program with that mindset, but determined to give it my all and to and to learn. Um, I could tell right off the bat it. Bible knowledge didn't mean nothing here. Um, not that it didn't mean nothing, but and I'm sure you've experienced this, men that come in with Bible knowledge and pride, pride, and then they fall out and relapse and drag other people with them. Um, so I, when I came in, I say that to say that I needed to come into this program and listen and learn, not teach, not tell people about the Scripture, I need to listen. I hadn't gotten it right 10 years as a Christian. Who am I to be teaching at this point in my life? That was good for me. I'm glad I'm glad I had a leader like that, like Mark McNelly, that quieted me. Um, it gave me room to just be me and learn about who I am in Christ, um, which ultimately is what, what changed this time. It's just believing. It's just believing the Scriptures, John. It's just believing that I am exactly who God says I am. If I'm in Christ and Christ is in me, it's not even me who live anymore, but Christ who lives in me. I just, I needed to believe those things. Galatians so, 2.20, right? Man. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So I get, I do well. Um, first three months, I get raised up to a, uh, a leadership role within the program. Um, I'm kind of out of control, man. You know, I, Came with some Bible knowledge, and so I was heavy-handed with dudes, and I, I hurt people. I was the local Pharisee. Yeah, I was that guy, and yeah. so um, I lost my leadership role uh, about five months into the program. And God, it wrecked that wrecked me. You know, I had my identity kind of wrapped up in a title and what I was doing for God, and, and so when I lost that, um, God gave me another two months to just learn. And listen, and and deepen my faith in Him and trust in Him. It was good for me. I should tell you that I've had a call on my life to ministry for ten years, and I knew it. 
Um, and I, I hadn't really done anything with it. I confessed this to my leadership at Victory Mission, and um, I was already working at another job. So I, I'd gotten into the point of the program where I'm allowed to work and save money and um, kind of develop and build my own schedule I'm within the confines of classes and stuff. Anyways, um, so I was working this job, and I, I told my director and um, the associate uh, executive director, Dave Myers, good man, at, at the mission that I, I have a call on my life and I need to be in ministry for the rest of my life. Um, and so they put me at the front desk, which is like... Front line. Man, front line. Explain, let's talk about the front desk because yeah. I'm a I'm a Victory Mission fan. Mm -hmm. I love them. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have several different programs in one building. Yep. So they have the, the first 30-day program. Yep. And so you can come in off the street. Yep. Uh, the requirement is that you, I guess you have to be sober. Yes. And you have to have an ID. Yes. And you can't be certain offenses on your record, right? Yeah, sex offenses. But if you don't have an ID, we can work with that. we got a resource in the community that will print an ID that we can use. Yeah. So we, we'll help that man. If a man is coming down and struggling but is committed to staying sober, we'll help that man too. Yeah. So. And so they come in. Right off the street. Right off the street. Yeah. And and they're not... They're a wreck sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your shift? I was second shift, the crazy shift, my favorite shift. I worked third shift too, but third shift is actually pretty dead at the mission. Uh, second shift is where all the action is. Okay. I loved it. Man. They come in guns, guns blazing. They come in guns blazing, dude. Yeah. Um, I loved it, man. I, I God gave me a heart to help people and love people are like that who are broken and miserable and hating life and hate you too a lot of fights going on at that time they get they ever get to rolling around on the ground in there yeah it happens uh it's actually quite rare I mean, it happens but it only happened a couple times while i was there um that, on my second day i had a guy pull a knife on me in the right in front of the mission uh and then several times i had guys square up with me to fight me and um, so it'll keep you on your toes. Yeah. But I, I, I stayed at that position for eight months, and I loved it. I, the day that I was promoted to a chaplain apprentice, I cried over losing that position. I loved it so much. Um, man, God did, and God did a mighty work in my life. Just now, is that a paid position? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you're on staff. Yeah, I was on staff. It was it's it's called an internship, and so they pay you like minimum wage. Um. And then once you do a season in an internship, they actually hire you on full-time. You get PTO and vacation and stuff like that and sick awesome. days and stuff. Um, yeah, they're, they're good to us, man. Um, and so I was at the front desk for eight months. I did well. Uh, I had my chaplain. Uh, his name was Noah at the time. Uh, he, his name was Noah. He, he was in, actually in the position that I'm in right now currently. Uh, he encouraged me to go back to school, seek out an education. Um, and so I looked at my life, man, like I have a call to ministry and I'm going to, I'm going to need to be in ministry for the rest of my life. I have to, it's, it's, it's a requirement. If of you me. can do anything else, you're not called. Yeah. And so, but I'm not like, I'm not, a, I'm not a pastor. I'm not, I'm not called to be a pastor of a local church. And so I want, I wanted to choose a degree path that I could make some money with on the side, something I could, start a little business with. And so I chose software development. That was the beginning of this year. 
or yeah, 2021. Um, dude, I hadn't been in school in 15 years. Uh, so I was kind of nervous about it. And so I just went, signed up for some classes, college, uh, college classes. Yeah. And I just did it right. I just, I fit it into my schedule and did it. God protected my mind while I was out there all those times and I can still learn new things and understand difficult concepts and when you say protected your mind for those listening what he's drugs uh yeah. bring on schizophrenia yeah. you know manic all this behavior that people would give you diagnosis for yeah. uh they're drug induced many times yeah and so not all the time i'm not saying everyone that's that way or has that that mental issue mental health issue is you know because of drugs but someone who's used a lot of drugs sometimes will cause those kind of yeah. mind uh, mental health issues that don't go away right like a psychosis yeah and so yours yeah. you said your mom is protected it's protected man amen i'm thankful for it and so you're in college yep and and so uh let's just kind of talk through your life then right and uh-huh. so you were a mess you couldn't make it outside the program but you're you're graduating now I'm right graduate, yeah so you're you've done the program yep. at, at victory mission yep how long have you been on your own by like out of the program i have been so i graduated in may but i didn't actually move out until august of this year so mm-hmm. i've been out two and a half months okay and so you're on your own uh-huh. at two and a half months uh you you're in college yeah so give us a week what's a week like cody yeah okay so I have class every morning from 8 a.m. till 8.50, five days a week. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I have a uh, 8 a.m. to 9.50 class. I show up to work either. So that's English and math classes, just so you know, on the morning side. I show up to work either 10.30 or 11 o'clock, depending on the day, Monday through Friday. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, I have an evening class at OTC at from 5.30 to 7.30. Um so Monday through Friday, my schedule is built out as much as I can build that thing out. Like there's no room for nothing else in there. I work out every morning. So I wake up, just my, my routine is I wake up 5.30, 5.40 sometimes, get up, drink coffee, I pray and I read. It's That's a staple in my life that I'll never leave. Um, and then I'll, I'll, go, I'll, be in the, I'll be in the gym by 6.30 and then I'm in class by 8.00. You either get out of class eight fifty or nine fifty, depending on the on the day, uh, and then work at ten thirty or eleven, and then I work from ten thirty to seven thirty Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and ten thirty to five or eleven to five Tuesday, Thursday, because I've got that programming class on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So Monday through Friday, built out as much as I can. I get off work or get out of school at seven thirty every day. Um, I go home, shower, lay down, and go to bed. Like, I'm just, it's end of my day. It's over. Um, at night, 730 at night? Yeah, 730. Well, I, I mean, I'll be asleep by 915. I just turn everything off at 915 so that I can wake up at 530 and get eight hours. That, if I run on anything less than seven, it kills me. So So you got, you're a big boy now. Yeah. Grown up. I grew up, man. <laughs> I learned how to get a, a sleep routine, sleep hygiene, sleep routine. Yeah, uh, self-care. Cook, yeah, man. Um, I cook all my own meals. Uh, I, I meal plan for the entire week. I'm, I'm, I'll make all my meals on Sunday. I love to lift weights. I got introduced to lifting weights when I was at the program, and uh, that's also a staple in my life. 
So I love it. I love diet, nutrition, lifting weights, um, being active. I love cardio. Um, I love school. I love to learn. Uh, I love ministry. Amen. Everything that I love in life, I have. I've got. I've got everything that I need. I've got everything that um, makes me feel good. Makes me just makes me feel productive. Makes me feel like I'm, I'm moving forward in life. Um, because you are. I am, and there's, I need it. There's a lot of people, Cody. Uh, when you were in, you know. In and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. You know, mm-hmm. I can think of some of your future uh, past employers that loved you. Yeah. That just thought, man, that guy. There's, you know, tried to help you with a good job yeah. and stuff like that. And even me, you know, I was very worried and concerned that, you know, I don't know how this guy's ever going to make it. Right. You know, we've done everything we can, and right. and now look at you. I know. You know, you're killing thank it, you dude. Thank you, God. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, God. And so there's. You know, there's people who I hope they're encouraged right. by listening to your story because, you know, it's not over yet, right? right? And sometimes we throw the cards in a little too soon, even for ourselves or other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you say you want to be in ministry, so you want to do, like, software stuff? What What's ministry look like? Ministry looks – I want to be in dis- – like, we're all called a disciple, but I want to be in a discipleship ministry. Which I which I am something similar to Freeway. I, it's restoration. I, I want to stay in Restoration Red Victory Mission. Awesome. I've got everything I need at Restoration. I got a well developed community and great leaders that love me and encourage me. I've I've got what I need there. Um, and it's discipleship. Like I, I just I don't have the call on my life to be a pastor, and so I need to just be where I've been called to be. Um, and there's. There's nowhere better, in my opinion, than right in the trenches with men that are coming out of prison and coming off the streets from addiction. It's and not boring, is it? No, it's it's. It, I love it. Yeah. I love it. So I was telling somebody that, you know, I was talking to him and I said, "I gotta, I gotta be careful how I word this." Right. <laughs> so my filter's kicking right. in, but uh, I, we I get to do what pastors don't get to do. Right. You know. Uh, I don't know any pastor that has jails deliver inmates to them. Uh, and, I mean, literally, we have had people in County Oranges uh, come in shackles and handcuffs to the building with police deputies, mm-hmm. drive them here, walk them in handcuffed and unhandcuffed them and say, here you go. Uh, you know, and then you get to go to court with them and you get to hear the judge say, we're going to, Go ahead and give you probation. If yeah. you complete the program, you don't go to prison. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, yeah. what a joy. Absolutely right. And yeah. so, we get to do that now. Yeah. We get to uh, pour into people. But there's the dark side to it. Right. You know, we also get to go to funerals and see people yeah. buried that didn't make it. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, let's just kind of talk through this for a minute. Let me ask you a question. Go ahead. So you're, you've been sober since April 2020. Yep, April 30th, 2020 was the last time I drank or used. Awesome. Yep. So, uh, do you fear relapse? I don't fear relapse in the sense of, I don't, I don't, I don't see anything like that coming in my life. For this reason, I what has always led me to relapse was believing that I could never change. Believing that the gospel wasn't as good as I as it read, um, that has been fixed. Now I'm not 
I'm not I'm not silly. I don't I don't chill at a bar. I don't go where alcohol served. I'm safe. I protect myself. Boundaries. Right. Because if that day does come and my guard's down, it'll kill me. It'll wreck me. I will lose everything that I have right now. One beer will do that to me. Whatever for whatever reason, John. If I had a, if I had a beer today, I end up in the trap house shooting dope. Me too. It just happens like that for me. It's not a beer. I can't just have a glass of wine or a beer. It'll completely and utterly destroy my life every time. It masters me every time. Um, I was talking to uh, some people who are Christians mm-hmm. that drink. Uh, recreational drinking for them, and uh, they drink quite often. And so they go to church, they have careers, you know, and I was talking to one of them, and I told them, I said, you know, no offense to you, but if I would have been a brand-new Christian and I would have been around you, I would have never made it because I would have justified drinking because you drink. But, see, you can drink and go home and go to sleep and wake up and go to work. Me, it's over. It's over, man. It's over. And so uh, I understand where you're coming yeah. from there. Yeah. Those boundaries are important. Yeah, absolutely. So talking about fear and relapse. Mm-hmm. So you just you put boundaries up in your life to keep right. you from because you don't trust yourself, right? Right, absolutely. Um I don't I don't trust the flesh. So the flesh is deceitful and it it has its own passions and desires, right? We see that in scripture. Um but I like I have the new heart that and the new nature that's been given to me by God. And um, so I don't, I don't actually want to drink. I, what I wanted out of it was for it to help me like giving me peace or cutting the edge off or relieving anxiety. I, I wanted it to treat a symptom, but when the symptom got treated, my life destroyed because of it. And so I've learned to just, like believe what the scripture says about me, right? Perfect love casts out fear. Well, I have the spirit, and the spirit brings peace. I have peace, and the spirit produces love, which is a perfect love, right? We're told to be anxious for nothing. How can I be something I'm not? Right. It's who I am, and so it's everything with me has been tied into faith and, and right belief, and it had to be. It was the only thing that could have helped me. Um, so I don't necessarily like fear a relapse but I do guard against it. I'm, I'm not going to be around anybody drinking. I'm not going to hang out with people who are okay with cracking a beer. It just, it doesn't, it just doesn't fit my lifestyle for one, um, to be around people like that. And, and the situations, you know, yeah, that, that happen, you know, yeah. because of that. So you could be around those type of people, Right. But protect yourself from a situation where there might be alcohol presented to you, right? right? right. Uh, I, I'll tell you a story. Um, so one time I was, um, I had an office in Jim Corbett's law firm, yeah. and which is hilarious, but I was between five trial attorneys. Yeah. And so he had given me an office there, and I would go home. I lived on, uh, before I would go to the gym, I started working out and stuff. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, I work out. But, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but before that, kind of that uh, staple in my life, um, mm-hmm. I would I work try to work out at lunchtime. Um, 
I would go home and eat with my wife. I'd have lunch with her. I'd see the kids and stuff. And um, we lived far in the west end of town. Well, the corporate law firm is on Chestnut. It's off East Chestnut. Mm-hmm. And I lived off West Chestnut. So I had this conviction that I uh, I wanted to take an hour for lunch. Nobody's watching me or following mm-hmm. me around. See, I'm, you know, I was kind of a steward of my own time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was trying to be the best steward of my time I could, and I was convicted yeah. sometimes. I wanted to make sure I only took an hour. Right. So I, I went home one day, and uh, I would eat, you know, give my, allot myself few, you know, certain time to eat, and then I would drive back to work. And uh, I remember I, I was coming down uh, from uh, South Miller, uh, far west on Chestnut by the, uh, the gas station, uh, um, a little park there, and it's a four-lane road. And so I took a right. It was raining really bad. So I passed this Casey's gas station in the park, and I'm going east on Chestnut. And going west on Chestnut, four lanes over, was this guy that goes to freeway. And uh, he was walking in the rain. Mm -hmm. And God just struck me with conviction. He didn't see me, but I seen him. If you Mm -hmm. don't turn around and pick him up, you're a hypocrite. And uh, so I turned around. I knew I'd be late now. I'm not going to make the hour, right? So I just turned around, I pulled over by him, and I said, hey, what are you doing? Get in a car. So I pick him up. I said, where are you going? Well, this guy had a vehicle, had a wife, had kids, had his own house. But why is he walking in the rain? Right. And so I said, where are you going? He's down here to the Best Western Motel. And I said, why are you going to the motel? Why are you walking in the rain? Where's your van at? Wait a minute. As I'm driving, you know, I'm talking mm-hmm. to him. I said, you're getting high, aren't you? And he said, I am. I'm getting high. So I pull into the parking lot of Best Western, and I just shared truths with him. You know, you're going to lose everything you've got. You're going to lose your wife. You're going to lose your home. You know, your life is going to be a country song, basically, and uh, everything's going to be gone. And you're going to have a tear in your beard, right, swinging on the porch, however Mm -hmm. country music goes. (laughs) But um, so anyways, uh, and I prayed with this guy, and I let him out of the car, and I went to turn and leave uh, back to work, and it hit me. That's how people relapse. And God showed me something that day. I wasn't tempted, mm-hmm. but if I had been just going through the motions in my Christian walk, I'd have fell. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and what I mean by that is is, is uh, what makes a great athlete a great athlete isn't the number he wears on his jersey or she wears mm-hmm. or how they stick their – like Jordan, he stuck his tongue out when he did a layup, right? He didn't do good layups because he stuck his tongue out, right. you know, or his number was 23 or he had Jordan shoes on. But what makes a great athlete a great athlete is what you don't see on the field, right. and that's the discipline. Yeah. And, and so uh, if I would have just been at preaching mm-hmm. sermons and not living out the gospel, if I wasn't diligent to study, pray, seek the Lord, meditate on Scripture every day, when I picked that guy up, somehow I just knew God showed me that would have been the day I fell. Yeah. And, and so, Cody, I think what we have is just the idea that, hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reading my Bible like my life depends on it today. Mm. You know, I'm protecting myself today. Yeah. I have boundaries in my life today, yeah. not because I uh, am afraid that or I'm looking for a reason to use drugs or I'm looking, right. you know, I got to be careful because I'm always thinking about getting high or using, but I just want to make sure that I'm protecting myself because we should never underestimate what we're capable of. Right. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Does that make sense? Every bit of it, dude. Yeah. Everything that I have in my life, and even with community and study, prayer, in ministry, in school, these all protect me at, to some capacity. Busyness also protects me to some extent. Um, yeah, these things that I have in my life, especially the my morning routine where I, I pray and read scripture and, and believe truth over my life, that's a staple, man, and it, it can't leave. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. If I When I look back at the times where I've made a consistent wreck of my life, all of that was gone. All of that. Um, so I was doing my own thing. So uh, you kind of discussed a week in your life, and you talked about your, you know, you fear relapse, and kind of your idea was you don't, but you protect yourself, right? Absolutely. You put boundaries up in your life. So let's talk about like ministry for you. Mm-hmm. So you serve at the Victory Mission. Yep. Uh, so you minister on the front line of the homeless man, yeah. and then you deal with uh, guys coming through there. They have a one-year-long discipleship program, kind of like Freeway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you you serve there. Yeah. So you're the assistant chaplain, or are you the chaplain? I'm, an, I'm an, a chaplain apprentice. And so it, it's a two-year track. Um, they'll basically train you in ministry, train you in how to teach and lead and be a faithful and effective leader in ministry. Um flying by the seat of my pants. Uh, it is, it's awesome. Um, I was, I'm keep it real with you, man. I had some confidence issues basically my entire life. Um, and I, I doubted that I could ever do a role like this. Um, just with the amount of public speaking and teaching and the pressure, you know. Um, but look, God is faithful, Right. Even when we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Um, so I had this call in my life. I decided to open up to my chaplains about it. They put me on a track to be an apprentice, and then I, I got the apprenticeship in May of this year. Um, I started doing more of the like teaching and leading classes, facilitating um, in August of this year. It's, it's great. It's intense, but it's great. I love it, and I wouldn't give it up for nothing. So uh, what does a chaplain apprentice do? Like, tell me what that looks like. Yeah, so I, um, I'm i the phase two and three chaplain apprentice. I'm kind of in the in the mix of everything, though. And so the men that are have gone through a majority of the program uh, at six months, um, they're under my care. And so I hold them all accountable. We do phone checks and... Um, I make sure they're staying committed to their home church and seeing their church mentor. And they got to see a church mentor once a week. If they purchase a vehicle, that they keep it legal, keep tags on it, stuff like that. But I, I also teach. I'll teach. I teach one class a week. It's called a restoration class, um, and we basically just teach like a a, a restoration policy or, or a reason why do we do this thing, or we have a class on relationships or home church church mentor. Um, and I've also been teaching or facilitating, really I'm facilitating this class. It's called uh, Alpha. And you just take like an introductory topic in Christianity and you teach it to them like the Word of God, um, the Holy Spirit, who is Jesus, st- introductory stuff, right? We, we get a lot of baby Christians in there. And so, um, and then 
it's like a 25 minute video and then I facilitate the next 30 minutes of the class. And I also lead something called a chaplain check-in. It's basically like a class that you facilitate with slides um, and you just give updates on the program. You, we also celebrate men that are doing well and um, advancing in the program, trans- transitioning up, um, graduations, stuff like that. Um, it's, it's a lot, you know. Like we have 26 men right now. Um, it's, it's taxing, you know, I'm kind of introverted. So the more that I talk and communicate with people, I'm tired at the end of the day, I'm whooped. I'm ready for bed. Oh yeah. Mentally. Yeah. But I love it, man. I absolutely love it. The best in my, the most, the thing that I'm most excited about in this position is learning how to teach scripture. I've got, like, I'm, I'm going to learn how to faithfully teach God's word. I've got, I've got to learn this. And it's exhilarating and frightening at the same time, right? Because, listen, I'm, I was terrible at it. And I, I'm not that much better, but I've gotten a little bit better. But I'm just excited, man. I'm excited for what God has in store for me in this position. Because I've, I've, got, I've got to learn how to faithfully teach Scripture, and God's teaching me that right now. Amen. So, so what's, what's life like next for you? Oh, man. So I've got my five-year goal is to have my bachelor's in computer science i can do a little bit with that but i won't be able to do much with it i really need the masters um long-term goal is like i have no plans to leave victory mission i'm going to be hired on as a chaplain there after my two-year apprenticeship is up Um, and so i'll be a full-time chaplain at the mission um in the thick of discipleship in the trenches I i love it it's awesome yeah and uh i want to start a software company up on the side um, or a website or a web development company, um, something where I could sustain myself and have a decent income on the side. Um, I mean, as you know, you don't, you don't always make much ministry, you know it? So it'd be cool to have something on the side I could raise a family with or pass off to a son or a daughter. Amen. Um, What's your family think? What's your mom think? Your, your sister? I know like you've got that strong loyalty to them and yeah. you, you really love them and you want that relationship to be good with them. Absolutely. Listen, everybody's ecstatic uh, about my life now. Um, God has been so good to me in uh, helping me build the relationships with my mom and my sister in Kansas City. Just, I mean, you know addiction, man. It's, it's taxing on the family. Right. Um, man, they're so proud of me. Uh, and it's a testimony to them. Of, of what the power of God looks like in, in someone's life that you you didn't you didn't see coming, right? Nobody, I don't think anybody saw me really getting it right this time. We were just gonna try again, waiting. Yeah, and then and then when it happened, everybody sees that that sees that God can and will do this in somebody's life. I tell you, I thought you was gonna have to go lay down and do some prison time. Yeah, me too. I mean, that's what I was thinking. He needs to just go lay down for a little bit. <laughs> and if he goes to prison, maybe that will wake him up. Right. And so, but you know what? God has, God has done a work. So Amen. what's your biggest burden today, Cody? My biggest burden? Um, I would say my biggest burden is, is teaching, is learning how to teach, how to be a faithful teacher of God's Word. That's the biggest burden on my heart. I feel like I'm, I'm this close to... Maybe getting on leadership at Crossway. If I if I were to pursue this track, 
maybe there could be a spot for me there. Amen. I don't know, I don't know yet, but I, like I've got this vision in my heart where. So what's your Sunday school class? You got a Sunday school yeah, class? Yeah, Shannon. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, he uh, he had me give announcements last week, so that's there you like go. this is that's the door in, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just off the cuff. I gave an announcement. Shannon swears. Shannon swears. Yeah, he's a good guy. That's a good dude. Yeah. yeah. So off the cuff, I gave announcements in his class, and now I, I just need to. I need to get on that track, man. Yeah, you need to tell him. Yeah, absolutely. You need to talk to him. Take yeah. that introvert, throw him out for a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Get out there. <laughs> Say, hey, this is what I want. I yeah. bet you he, he'd be more than... Shannon, if you're listening, <laughs> help a brother out. This is the track for Cody. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what brings you joy today? The Lord, man, his faithfulness, man, the call on my life, um, the relationships he's put in my life, the people that love me and care for me. Something I... I, I somehow glossed over is the another reason I came back to freeway after all those years of being back and forth is freeway loved me. This community loved me. Yeah. So I came right back. I love this place. That brings me joy today. Amen. And yeah. you get to love others. Yeah. And Amen. you get to tell that backslidden hard headed dude, right. I was just like you, man. <laughs> you know it? Yeah. And you get to share that story about, you got to believe the gospel. Yeah. Amen. You know, well, I'm proud of you, dude. Thanks, man. My last question. Mm -hmm. Are you happy? I'm happy, man. For the first time in my life, I'm actually happy. Amen. Yeah. And did you ever think you'd be here today? No. Where you're at today? No. 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 Amen. All right, brother. Well, listen, I love you, man. Love you too, John. So proud of you. I hope that uh, I hope that you enjoyed this episode today as we, me and Shody, me and Cody. <laughs> Shody, <laughs> don't even know what that means. Me and Cody, I hope you enjoyed the show with me and Cody today uh, as we uh, explored his life, his broken life, and, and how God has taken a big mess and made a great big message out of it. And if you like this and you've enjoyed this, would you share our podcast with, uh, with your friends on social media? And uh, if you want to support Freeway Ministries as we reach one broken life at a time, uh, you can go to our website at freeway-ministries.com. And you can be a one-time supporter or you can be a monthly supporter um, and help us as we reach one broken life at a time. Amen. This is John Stroop and Cody Woodard. Amen. And uh, we'll see you next time.